This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to our weekly classified Grayman Intelligence audio brief. Over the next few minutes, Wesley from Super SE is going to share with you the most important survival intelligence stories that have occurred over the past week from the Gray Man Briefing. This timely and concise reporting will help you to stay sharp and be well ahead of the knowledge curve so that you can be better prepared for what's coming down the road. All right, Wes, take it away. All right, thanks, David. So we'll get right into the brief. From the Gray Man Briefing, this is a weekly recap of news and developments for your situational awareness, as always, with the bottom line up front. Okay, we are back. This is Wesley from Super SE reading out the Gray Man Briefing, and they gave me a little forewarning about a potential ban, well, not a ban, but basically regulating out ceiling fans as we know it. It looks like it's going to be something that goes to manufacturers first, and in turn that'll be pushed to the consumer where you're not going to be able to buy affordable ceiling fans anymore, all in the name of climate change. We don't have the brief on that today. It's coming out later this week on graymanbriefing.com, but just the newest thing and an example of government oversight, which the Grayman Briefing has been doing a lot of lately. I think we've got over a dozen to go through today. I'll start with that, and then we will move into everything else that matters, like the Second Amendment, censorship, civil unrest, you name it. Let's get started with government oversight. The House Judiciary Committee and Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government have begun releasing a series of posts they dub the Facebook Files, which they allege contain, quote, never-before-released internal documents subpoenaed by the committee that Facebook and Instagram censored posts and changed content moderation policies because of unconstitutional pressure from the Biden White House. As part of this release, they dropped internal notes between Meta executives and White House officials. Meta is Facebook and Instagram. The notes specifically related to COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccines. They show that the White House asked Meta to limit the reach of content shared by the New York Post, which is a news outlet that often shares right-leaning narratives. They also asked for Meta to change the algorithm, so this is, quote, what the White House said to Meta, change the algorithm so that people were more likely to see NYT WSJ, that's New York Times and Wall Street Journal, as opposed to continuing the quote, any authoritative news source over Daily Wire, which is a right-leaning news outlet. Facebook complied with those requests to censor it, although that it was factual information, they still decided to censor it, but they used, quote, borderline demotions. They advised that it demoted what was not fault information, so Facebook admitted that it was not false information that was, you know, on the New York Post, and that they said they would either remove or leave to fact-checkers to add those banner labels as a means to get around 
not outright removing the content since they agreed that it was factual. But anyway, this is the Facebook files. They're being released on X, which was Twitter, and we'll move on. So COPA and COSA, which are two regulations that have already passed and are currently regulating online activity. COPA is the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, and COSA is the Kids Online Safety Act. They're adding COPA 2.0, which call for social media outlets to, quote, conduct an age verification system in an effort to verify age while reducing risk to user privacy and data security and safeguarding minors' personal data. The program is expected. Now, if you fact check this, it's not going to say they're doing this, but it's expected to require an age verification such as an upload of an ID or facial recognition software or some sort of implementation of AI. Now, the reason I say fact-checking it will say that's not happening because COSA, the new COSA and COPA 2.0, doesn't say that it requires facial recognition or the upload of an ID or AI. However, it does say that it's going to require an age verification. So you do the math, what other ways can you verify age of a minor? I guess you could send an email to a parent and say, hey, can you verify the age? But even then, how is it verifying? Because it wants actual 100% verification that the user, the kid, is of age. So keep an eye out for COPA 2.0, that's C-O-P-P-A, and look more into that. In Illinois, the governor has signed into law House Bill 3751, which permits non-citizens and foreign nationals to be sworn in as law enforcement officers. This is your basic police officer in a city or a sheriff's deputy. The law also permits illegal immigrants under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that's DACA, to be sworn as officers. The law goes into effect in January 2024 when you can have potentially illegal immigrants arrest you as a police officer. In Connecticut, all new gas-powered cars, these are the standard passenger vehicles, will be banned from being purchased. Gas cars are still permitted to be driven, but the sale of new vehicles will be prohibited by law. Medium and heavy-duty vehicles, this is things like garbage trucks, U-Hauls, and whatnot, they'll be phased out 60% by 2035, including heavy-duty vehicles. Similar laws have already been passed in Rhode Island, Maryland, New Jersey, California, New Mexico, New York, and Vermont. So keep an eye out for that. They are banning gas-powered cars by making them not be allowed to be manufactured anymore. If you recall some earlier briefings that the Gray Man Briefing did on the FBI classifying Catholics as domestic extremists, basically categorizing them as that to be able to surveil them and open investigations into Catholics, primarily concerning parental rights, the FBI you know, tried to back off that. The FBI director said it was only one field office. We didn't, we didn't approve it. Well, the FBI director's congressional testimony has now been debunked as false. It was, in his testimony, he said it was a single product by a single field office. Well, the House Judiciary Committee has uncovered documents showing that both Portland, FBI Portland, and FBI Los Angeles field offices were involved in or contributed to the creation of the FBI's assessment of traditional Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. That's according to the Judiciary Committee. Separately, the continued discrimination of Catholics was evidenced in a recent foster application, which was denied because a Catholic couple, their religious beliefs, according to the Department of Children and Families, said that the religious beliefs 
would not be affirming to a child who is LGBTQIA. That's a quote. So they denied their application just based on the assumption that they would not allow that gender affirming care, which is the mutilation of genitalia. So there's another note on that. Jumping back to April of this year, the CDC held a conference in Atlanta. About 1,800 people attended the conference. 1,443 reported their vaccination status in a survey. Of those 1,443, eight were not vaccinated. So 1,435 were vaccinated. Say all this to tell you that following the conference, 183 people reported contracting the COVID-19 virus and all 183 that got the virus were vaccinated. The CDC has long been trying to cover up the story and also all forms of breakthrough infections. They concealed the full number of infected at the conference until just earlier this month. The CDC also previously reported that none of the 183 required hospitalization, although we've now seen that some have gone to the ER. On the topic of COVID-19, the FDA has reversed course on their stance on the use of ivermectin as a COVID-19 treatment, saying that, quote, FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do have the authority to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID. End quote. If you recall, previously the FDA said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow. I'm referring to that treatment also being used as a dewormer in horses. But now they say it's fine for the doctor to prescribe it. And moving into the kind of the politics side of government oversight, I will preface this with the Gray Man Briefing has quite a few briefs on Trump and Biden, all the developments, corruption, indictments, whatever you want to call it. Very good, unbiased information, kind of fact-based, with an, an analysis section separate from the brief, so their opinions will be down in the debrief section. We're not going to go deep into this, but I will touch on one thing with Trump. He's facing 91 criminal counts. If he's convicted of all, he could spend 700-plus years in prison. Of the 18 or 19 that were arrested here in Atlanta, all of them were released on bond except the one black Trump supporter that, that worked for Trump. I think for the black voices for Trump or blacks for Trump, he's the only one that did not get bond. He is being held without release until his trial. Trump's trials are all spread out. One was just proposed for October. He's got one or two in March, another one or two proposed in January or February. There's like two that are unsure right now, but basically it's going to take him off the campaign trail. He'll miss things like the Iowa caucus, Super Tuesday. They're all pretty well designed to correspond with major campaign events. So yeah, we'll go ahead and move on from that. But keep in mind, way more on thegraymanbriefing.com if you're into the, the politics side of government oversight. Following a federal appeals court ruling that found, quote, probation and imprisonment are alternative sentences that cannot generally be combined, it's expected that the unprecedented sentences of January 6 prisoners will be invalidated following the prosecutor's push to have the rioters and protesters both imprisoned and placed on probation for simply misdemeanor charges. So we'll see what happens with all these defendants. In Kentucky, school district there has canceled in-person classes. They've moved to remote learning due to alleged outbreaks of what they're calling the triple-demic, COVID-19, the flu, and strep. Extracurricular activities were also canceled, so no sports. We've talked a couple of times in recent briefings about the coming 
fear-mongering of COVID-19 and more potential lockdowns. So keep an eye out for that. We're seeing colleges again require masking, businesses require masking, such as you know Lionsgate, the Hollywood Film Studio. It's happening in multiple hospitals, the New York City Police Department, their little light bar, message bars on top of their police cars are now saying, do your part, stay six feet apart. Looks like it's sneaking back, um, but we're kind of moving away from the government oversight here. Let's keep moving because we do have a lot to cover. In Georgia, the district attorney has mentioned this before. The district attorney there had requested an October 23rd trial date for the defendants. That trial date was granted for one of them, but Trump's date has not yet been decided. Sorry for jumping around here a little bit. We keep going from COVID to something else, back to COVID. But like I said, we're going to start seeing a lot more of COVID. So on August 25th, President Biden advised, quote, I've signed off this morning on a proposal. We have to present to the Congress a request for additional funding for a new vaccine that is necessary, that works. And tentatively, not decided, finally yet, tentatively, it is recommended, it is likely to be recommended that everybody get it, no matter whether they got it before. So that was a little spotty, but it's a direct quote from Biden. He just allocated $1.4 billion in taxpayer funds to pharmaceutical companies to further develop COVID-19 vaccines, and they are expected here in the next couple of weeks to recommend an annual booster and it will be paid for on taxpayer funds starting in October, so you can get it free if you want the COVID-19 annual booster. And finally, in government oversight, the DOJ has filed a lawsuit against SpaceX. This is the company Elon Musk owns, who also owns Twitter. They're saying that basically they're enforcing a policy to hire only U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. That's what SpaceX was doing. They were only hiring U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents because Elon Musk advised he was following, I believe it was called ITAR, an international law that if you if you manufacture rockets or weaponry, you can only hire, you know, citizens, not illegal immigrants, not refugees or asylum seekers. But the DOJ is kind of interpreting that law in a different way and has filed a suit. The DOJ said that our investigation, this is a quote, found that SpaceX failed to fairly consider or hire asylees and refugees because of their citizen status, citizenship status and imposed what amounted to a ban on the hire on their hire regardless of their qualification in violation of federal law. This lawsuit came one day after Trump aired a counter-programming on Twitter that aired during the Republican national or Republican presidential debate. Of note, his video has over 250 million views, which I think the Republican presidential debate had something like 19 million views. This lawsuit also came the same day that Trump returned to Twitter. So make of that what you will, and we'll move on. And we'll take a quick break as I get my paperwork here for censorship, major crime, supply chain, infrastructure, cybersecurity, national security. And in a second, we'll come back and I will break all that down for you. Now, before we get into the rest of this podcast, I want to invite you to go check out the mothership for this podcast 
ultimatesurvivaltips.com. While you're there, join our weekly survival emag for survival and preparedness tips, news, exclusive behind-the-scenes updates, subscriber-only discounts, and chances to win gear like the survival knife that blew up Kickstarter. Our very own MSK-1 multi-scenario knife, which is now available in four models to fit any budget. So here's the deal. When you engage with us over at ultimatesurvivaltips.com, share this podcast, or buy any of our product innovations, you're partnering with us to accomplish our mission to help everyone everywhere gain the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear knowledge they need to survive any emergency, crisis, or disaster in a positive and productive way. Thank you all for your continued encouragement and support. Now let's get back into today's podcast. All right. In this next segment, we're going to start with national and border security. So far in fiscal year 2023, that's from October of last year till September of this year. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection has encountered a record number of suspects on the terrorist watch list. That's the TSC or TSD. 140 watch list suspects were apprehended attempting to enter through the southern border. Three of them were entering through the northern border. In California, the Fresno County Public Health Department announced it's discovered an unlicensed laboratory which contained a room with 958 mice, along with the discovery of blood, tissue, and other bodily fluid samples and serums, and thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids and suspected biological material that the CDC later determined to be the coronavirus, HIV, malaria, chlamydia, hepatitis, and herpes. Pregnancy and COVID-19 tests were also found there. The building was concealed as a warehouse, and all identifying addresses and information were linked back to China or abandoned U.S. locations. Operations at the facility belong to Prestige Biotech. They began operation there in March of 2019, and they're registered to a subject out of China. And a local news outlet was the first one to break the story. So without that, we may have never learned about what a local councilman there has referred to as Wuhan 2.0. The Department of Defense has established a generative artificial intelligence unit dubbed Task Force Lima. The unit will analyze and categorize AI algorithms that generate new outputs based on the data that they have been trained on to determine the extent to which the U.S. adversaries will employ this technology and seek to disrupt our own use of AI-based solutions. This unit is nested under DOD's Chief Digital and Artificial Intelligence Office, that's the CDAO. The Governor of New York has deployed the National Guard, multiple National Guard soldiers stationed to various hotels throughout the state where there are, quote, ongoing efforts to shelter and support asylum seekers. The soldiers will reportedly provide logistical and operational support for the shelter sites that are experiencing increased violence and calls for service by police, and they will act as a, quote, stabilizing presence at these resettlement camps. So they're at hotels because that's where the state governor and mayor are using taxpayer funds to provide free housing to the illegal immigrants. But now they're having to station the National Guard at these hotels. A woman who's a dual citizen of both Canada and France, she sent a letter containing ricin, which is the poison, to then-President Trump in 2020. She has just been sentenced to 21 years in prison. Of note, after she sent that ricin, she was later arrested while she was attempting to cross the U.S. border from Canada to the U.S. 
She was found in possession of a firearm and a knife and was presumed to be traveling to D.C. to assassinate Trump. Before her arrest, she advised she was not terrorist, that she was an activist, and she had wrote to Trump for him to give up his application for election in 2020. She also sent law enforcement officers, eight of them, rice and packages as well. And finally here in our national security summary, let's talk about terrorism. There's kind of a large brief on this, so I'm just going to give you the headlines and we will move on. In New York, a judge has ordered the release of three suspected terrorists. In Pennsylvania, a radicalized teen was arrested after preparing for a sympathized Al-Qaeda or ISIS attack. And we kind of mentioned this already, 100 plus terrorists in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California were captured by Border Patrol. And the 9-11 terrorist attack architect is expected to get a plea deal that will allow him to avoid the death penalty. Okay, let's touch on two major crime events. The FBI, along with the Australian police force, they launched Operation Bacchus, or Bacchus, which has so far recovered 13 children and led to the arrest of 98 criminals on child sex charges. The global pedophilia investigation was uncovered following a warrant service in Florida in 2021 where two FBI agents were killed in the raid. It was a raid of a suspected child pornographer. All 13 of these child victims were recovered in Australia and 19 of the offenders were arrested in Australia. 79 that were arrested were in the U.S. In Jacksonville, Florida on August 26th, a white male shot and killed three people. All the victims were black and this occurred at a Dollar General store. Early reporting indicated that he had several manifestos that were discovered. He used an AR-15 style rifle, which had swastika symbols on it. Law enforcement advised that it was a racially motivated shooting and that he, quote, hated black people. The murderer also used a tactical vest and carried a Glock handgun and shot himself after he was done with his murder spree. There have been a number of sensationalized shootings, not that this one shouldn't have been sensationalized, but there's been at least five sensationalized shootings or mass shootings this week, including a couple at some sporting events like a MLB game and a high school football game. Expect these shootings to be used to further restrict the Second Amendment. And another note here, a lot of people are calling out how did this manifesto get released the same day while we are waiting, what, five months now for the trans activist that killed three adults and three elementary children at a Christian school in Tennessee? Okay, let's get into our supply chain and infrastructure briefings. The third largest trucking company in LTL shipping in the U.S., Yellow Incorporated, announced it will shut down operations and file for bankruptcy. They transport about 17 million truckloads annually and they employ or employed 30,000 people. A couple of years ago, they received, I think, a $700 million bailout from the federal government to aid in its survival. Looks like they had some issues with unionized workers. They're blaming it on the Teamsters, why they were unable to restructure and overcome low profits. It's unsure what the long-term impact will be as this logistical network and supply chain is gonna be hampered with less people, less truck drivers able to deliver products. All right, let's talk about canals. The Suez Canal had a temporary blockage after two tankers collided and temporarily blocked the canal. They were quite quickly moved to the side, unlike the event we saw, I can't even remember how long ago it was, probably last year, when the other tanker got 
stuck sideways for multiple days. So we shouldn't see any disruptions from this one, but it came right around the same time as the Panama Canal started having issues. If you haven't heard about the Panama Canal, they're saying that they're having historic droughts that they haven't seen in 100 years, and it's creating, quote, the world's worst traffic jam. So they're limiting ships went from 36 a day to 32 a day. So basically, it created a 17-day wait time for large ships. So it put 200 ships out waiting to go through the Panama Canal. That's now dropped down to 130, which is still above what it used to be of 90. So we've got 40 extra ships at any given time waiting to pass through. And now the Panama Canal Authority has said that they're expecting to continue these restrictions until August of 2024 unless there's some unprecedented amount of heavy rainfalls in the next three months. So definitely expect some supply chain disruptions from this one as early as this Christmas shopping season. This is a major thoroughfare for ships to go through, especially transportations from China, Japan, and the U.S., and all, a lot of the ships that are trying to deliver packages to us are traveling through this canal. So let's keep an eye on that and see if they lift these restrictions or not. Okay, let's get into censorship. So YouTube is updating its community guidelines to conform with local and global health authority guidance on topics that pose what they call real-world risks, such as misinformation on COVID-19, vaccines, reproductive health, harmful substances, and cancer treatments. They're going to streamline their existing tools in order to remove or restrict content. They advise that they will remove content that, quote, contradicts local health authorities or the World Health Organization, who... And Xbox, this is the Microsoft gaming console, they've introduced new measures to enforce community standards for their online gamers. Gamers will now receive strikes for incidences where their gamer tag or messages, audible speech, profile picture, or activity is reported. In some cases, it's reviewed by a moderator, in some it's just up to an actual reporting from another, another gamer. If they're reported for profanity, cheating, sexual inappropriateness, harassment, bullying, or hate speech. Hate speech incidences receive the highest number of strikes. You instantly get a three. And eight of these strikes equate to a one-year suspension of their Xbox services, and refunds will not be issued. And finally, we have two more briefings for you. We're going to start with the Second Amendment and kind of break down some of these recent updates and legal changes and challenges and then we will finish today with the civil unrest briefing. Okay, first up, a national 2A development. Federal courts have blocked the ATF's pistol brace rule for two months and have sent it back to district court. Legislation has been introduced to the U.S. House that would impose a 1,000% tax on semi-automatic rifles and magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. President Biden has directed the ATF to publish a rule that would diminish online firearm marketplaces. This is the one dealing with private firearm sales. The White House wants the ATF to create a rule that would require anyone making a private sale or promoting a private sale. This is where online marketplaces come into play, like arms list. He's requiring them to have FFLs, or Federal Firearm Licenses. The White House calls these sort of sales private sales loopholes or the digital loophole. 
In Illinois, they have passed a bill that outlaws certain marketing of firearms. It defines the color of a firearm as a factor in deciding if an advertisement for that firearm is illegal. This bill has been signed into law. It's the Firearm Industry Responsibility Act, or FIRA. It makes it, makes it unlawful for any firearm industry member to, quote, through the sale, manufacturing, importing, or marketing of a firearm-related product to create, maintain, or contribute to a condition in Illinois that endangers the safety or health of the public by conduct either unlawful in itself or unreasonable, or if they fail to establish or utilize reasonable controls when marketing. So it's very subjective. It's using reasonableness as a deciding factor here. Well, this color looks yellow, and we think children may be attracted to a yellow firearm. So that is illegal. You, you may not manufacture that, and we will now fine you for even attempting to. So that just happened in Illinois. All right, before we get into civil unrest, I just want to make note, there is a lot we cannot get into this podcast just for timeliness purposes. We didn't cover weather-related things. We didn't cover our whole the whole COVID section that the Gray Man Briefing does. Um, there's health and safety, cybersecurity, economic briefings, labor briefings, education briefings. If you want more, keep in mind, we're just kind of reading you the first sentence or two of each one of these briefings. Sign up. It's $5 a month or $50 a year. You get briefings sent via Telegram, which is an app, and Signal, which is an app. They're messaging apps. And you also get it via email. Go to graymanbriefing.com. That's grayman with an A. And sign up. They've also got a two-month trial if you're interested. Let's get into the civil unrest briefing. In New York City, New York, about 15,000. The numbers vary, but... We've seen everything from 20,000 to 6,000. About 15,000 rioters converged on an area in, in the city in response to a social media influencer's flash giveaway where he was, I think he was giving away a PS5 or something. He called it a meet and greet. However, people went crazy. They were attacking police officers, overturning vehicles, destroying storefront windows. There were multiple arrests, multiple police officers injured, roadways were blocked, people were trapped in their vehicles, subways in the areas were diverted or shut down to avoid those interactions with rioters. NYPD activated a level four mobilization, which is their highest level where all available officers from any precinct are asked to deploy to assist. Okay, so not gonna go that much into detail on any of these following civil unrest developments just going to give it to you real quick just the bottom line up front if you want to know more you know where to go so let's get into this and let's do it quickly climate activist bike ride nude with a nude female minor in wisconsin parents protest in california to have the right to know when teachers can still students preferred gender patriot front members convicted in a pre-crime charge for plans to protest against a pride march in idaho Teen mobs overrun and force police to retreat during a street racing takeover in Washington. Multiple pro and anti-Trump protests increased in D.C. and California. Conviction was made in a Black Lives Matter vehicle ramming case in Washington. Activists against gender-affirming mutilation rally outside a surgeon's office in Vancouver. Catholic anti-child grooming protesters were attacked in Illinois. Government has fined anti-COVID-19 lockdown protest organizers in Ontario. Climate change counter-protest 
disrupted an anti-oil event in London. Mob larcenies have increased in California. Homelessness crises increase in New York, Oregon, Washington, and California. Christians were arrested while reading the Bible in Wisconsin outside of a pride event. Trans activists attacked women's sports advocates in Texas. In California, Armenian activists blocked highways to bring awareness to a food blockade. In Washington, the John Brown Gun Club infiltrated Patriot Front, which led to a lawsuit. In California, pro-maskers have protested again, calling for additional mandates requiring people to wear masks again. Antifa and their attorney threatened juries or jurors in a case against Antifa in Oregon. Neo-Nazis spread propaganda in Massachusetts. Antifa and PETA-adjacent activists vandalized clothing and butcher shops in Oregon. Pro-life activists were charged for vandalism at higher rates than BLM for chalking or graffitiing in D.C. Antifa held a recruitment event in Oregon. Federal employees were told by the Department of Health and Human Services to work from home due to unsafe homeless encampments that surrounded the federal building in California. Armed Boogaloo protests against arrest of a CCW-carrying affiliate at a school board meeting took place. Citizens protest against homeless shelters near an elementary school in New York. A MAGA caravan was blocked by Black Bloc activists in New York. Pro-labor and anti-tech activists disrupted autonomous vehicles in California. Teens take over streets and ram pedestrians in Georgia. Democrats ask gangs to only kill each other at night in Illinois to help curb violence. Parents protest against grooming in schools in California and Texas. Trump sees increased support and donations following latest arrest as supporters rally for him in multiple protests in Georgia. Anti-lockdown activists call for U.S. citizens not to comply with new attempts to install mask and jab mandates. There's your civil unrest briefing. On the Gray Man briefing, it's like 10 pages with sources and videos, but I think I just gave it to you in like three minutes. That's it for this week's podcast. Here in a couple weeks, we'll probably drop another one. Um, looks like it's one of those things we need to, to drop these podcasts a little bit more often just because so much is happening and it's quite difficult to read it all out to you and explain it on a podcast. But hopefully these have been helpful for your situational awareness. Everyone stay safe, uh, stay ready, and keep your head down. That's it. So before we head out of here, let us know what you think of these briefs by emailing us at help at ultimatesurvivaltips.com or you can contact us through our website and the home base for this podcast, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. If you'd like to be even further ahead of the preparedness curve and get daily briefs from Wes delivered privately to you, Wes is giving Survival Show podcast subscribers $1 off the normal monthly subscription cost of $5. So for only $4 a month, you can get daily intelligence briefings from Wes when you go over to graymanbriefing.com and enter code GBCUST at checkout. All right, that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.